Welcome to Talks at GS, where leading thinkers share insights and ideas shaping the world. This session of Talks at GS was recorded before a live audience. I'm very thrilled to welcome Jose Neves, who is the founder, co-chairman, and CEO of Farfetch, a leading global technology platform for the luxury fashion industry. Jose has been involved in the fashion startup world for a long time, since the mid-90s, and launched, launched Farfetch in 2008 as a product of his interest in fashion and the technology. So let's rewind a little bit and talk about the, you know, your, your beginnings as an entrepreneur. Walk us a little bit through that time between 2000 and 2008 where you, you kind of got your, your footing in fashion and where was the idea from Farfetch? I mean, how long did it take you to come up with that idea? It's interesting because I, um, I moved to London in 1996 and I opened a tiny little shoe shop. Um, uh, and that, that shop was the flagship. It was such a uh, you know, <laughs> grand, grandiose name for a 20 square meter shop um, for, for my shoe brand. And, and we started an e-commerce website um, in 1996 um, um, because I had the knowledge of coding and I had the engineers. Why not? Right? So let's, let's, start, you know, let's start a website. And um, I remember at the time I went to, to my bank and I wanted to open a merchant account to be able to charge credit cards online. And they looked at me like I was a, an alien. I mean, so <laughs> what are you talking about? I mean, setting up payments um, in 95, 96, 97 was like, only if you were like a multinational corporation would they even engage on the conversation with you. A small business would not have a, a merchant payment facility. So we, we launched the website anyway. Um, called swearlondon.com. And, um, you know, a day later, we got a guy in Japan buying from us. And, you know, a couple of days later, I got um, someone in Hong Kong, you know, placing an order with us. And that's when the light bulb for me that, you know, e-commerce in fashion is going to be huge. And that dates back to, to actually 1996. Obviously, it took me uh, another nine years to, or ten years to, to um, to find the, biz the right business model, the right thing, the right timing um, uh, for, for, for Farfetch. Um, but, uh, but I guess that's, that's where I trace, to, I trace it back from. So let's go into that point, so that origin story for Farfetch. 2008 was founded, you said the idea was 2007. You had, or we had, luxury retailers online already, Net-A-Porte and others. What was different about the opportunity you saw and the platform that you wanted to create? What was the, the special ingredient for Farfetch versus some of these other players? So the, the, the thinking was very simple. What if I could create a platform and I could sign up to this platform, the most beautiful boutiques and, and the best brands um, and operate on a, a zero inventory um, you know, platform, um, real-time on-demand platform? that connected all these businesses with uh, fashion lovers from all around the world. Um, and uh, to, me it wasn't, uh, to me it was quite intuitive because I had been, you know, because I started in technology in the 90s, I saw eBay. I remember Alibaba when they didn't have Tmall or Taobao and it was a B2B 
yeah. uh, you know, it was selling stuff from Chinese factories to, you know, Western companies. And I remember looking at, at, in 1997 at Alibaba.com and say, this is going to be big, I think. It seems like, you know, interesting company from China. Yeah. And, you know, so, so it, it, it was intuitive for me. Is why is no one thinking about applying the marketplace model to yeah. fashion? It, it seems, um, uh, uh, you know, such a um, uh, simple idea. Um, and, and, and that was it. So that's um, uh, around that time I thought um, this is an idea I will never forget, forgive myself if I don't, um, if I don't try. Um, so I'm, um, I had a go at it. So let's talk about two points you raised there. You, you use the word marketplace and platform interchangeably. I think, you know, um, marketplaces for me, they, they have very rigid rules um, uh, and platforms. Uh, the, the, the mark of a platform is um, a company that enables other businesses to build um, their own brands and even new business models um, on top of what is a common infrastructure. So to, to simplify, uh, Facebook is a platform because you can build Farmville on Facebook. And Mark Zuckerberg never thought of Farmville, so it's a completely different idea and, 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 and game built on top of a, of a platform. eBay, although they do have some platform extensions, but it's much more of a marketplace. So if you want to be on eBay, there's a set of rules, and that's it. And you participate in the marketplace with a very rigid set of rules, and that's it, right? So, so um, Farfetch is a platform because we have the marketplace, and if you want to be on farfetch.com or on the Farfetch app, there's a certain, the typical marketplace, you know, set of rules. Either if you're a buyer or a seller and you engage you know, with the marketplace in, 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 the, in those boundaries. But we're also a platform because um, we, any company, well, not any company, but uh, third parties can use our API and our common logistics data and, and API um, uh, library uh, to build uh, their websites, to build new business models, um, completely new ideas on, on what is the Farfetch platform. And, and I think this is, um, uh, for me, is, is, is really, um, really powerful because um, I think the marketplace is what the industry needs today. This industry needs a marketplace. We don't know what the industry will need in five years or in 10 years' time. Um, no one knows that's the, the reality. And that's why we need to build it as a platform, uh, because there's, um, I don't know any company that uh, hasn't become irrelevant um, in the technology space um, in, in 10 years, unless they've, they've fundamentally changed their business model. I mean, if you come company after one after the other, they, they, they have to reinvent them. We have to reinvent ourselves. And if we build Firefetch as a platform, then we're much more future-proof. I mean, the other interesting thing is you mentioned this marketplace concept. It probably wasn't easy to start off and convincing boutiques to upload their inventory on, onto your marketplace or platform. Walk us through that first, you know, those, I mean, maybe an anecdote from one of those first meetings with a boutique. Who was your first, first boutique? How did the conversation go? And then how did you build scale from there? Actually, so we, I think the trick 
um, the, the, the strategy we had was to start with boutiques, not brands, because the brands are much more difficult, more difficult to convince, the sales cycle is much longer, and I figured out if I sign 25 boutiques on the platform, I will have 500 brands. And they will be perfectly merchandised. Um, I'll have all categories, menswear, women's wear, sunglasses, you know, you name it, um, even little objects uh, for the home and all of that. So, um, so when Farfetch launched in 2008, although we were a tiny little company with 20 people, we had 500 brands and 10,000 SKUs. And to put that in perspective, NetApport has around 600, 700 brands and 15,000 SKUs. So we were, from a consumer proposition, really interesting from day one. Even although we had you know, one dress, um, one picture, one <laughs> the depth was the depth of one or something like that. But it doesn't matter because at that scale, um, you know, what you want is to offer consumers um, a, a great destination. But even the boutiques were difficult to convince, and they were mostly Italian, French, um, you know, second, third generation businesses. So um, conversations had to be in their native languages, and you know, uh, quite often the, the grandfather had to come to give the final blessing, and you know, he, he didn't even know what we were talking about. Nodded yes, <laughs> uh, and. Um, uh, and uh, you know, for some of them, we built we built our websites. So actually, one of the tactics was, how, how do you attract someone to be in a marketplace that has no customers? It's not interesting. But if if I build you your website for free, then why not? Then it's free IT services. So so we were we, at the point we were running forty websites for boutiques as a kid pro quo for them being part of the marketplace. So, you know, one way or another, we, we got them to, uh, you know, to start engaging slowly, and then the brands took notice, and the brands, um, you know, we started educating the, 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 the brands, and, and eventually we opened the platform for, to, to brands as well. So we now have 300 uh, brands directly using the platform. That's an interesting point when you pivoted to offering the brands directly on your platform. I mean, this is a well, I guess for you, a 20-year uh, set of relationships you've built in that sector or in that industry. Walk us through uh, the whole idea of enabling the sector rather than disrupting the sector. I mean, we, d we don't use the word disrupt around Farfetch. You're not disrupting the sector. You're really enabling it globally. So maybe walk us through the, the, idea, the, the relationships you've built and how you're helping the sector grow from here. I, I think, you know, the... the Fashion is uh, an industry, uh, it's, it's, it's an art and a science, and it's an industry that is driven by creativity, by emotions, by relationships. Um, it's an industry that, you know, um, has its own codes of conduct, and these things that are absolutely sacrosanct, and, 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 and people really, really... Um, they really, really care about their brands. They care about, um, you know, the, the, the way they, they're presented. Um, they care about adjacencies. Who am I going to sit next to? Um, there's, there's, you know, an unspoken um, uh, etiquette and, and, and code around the entire industry. And, um, and that's why, you know, our ethos was always one of win-win and how can we 
align ourselves through strat strategies of the brands to the long-term value building of, of, of the brands and, and the boutiques and be a positive force for the industry and an enabler of, um, of an entire industry rather than a disruptor. You have this unique culture. You have a, a, a number of tech people and you have a number of fashion-oriented people. <clears throat> for some reason, you're able to get all of those people to work together and, and coalesce. You call it that, that framework, total suntos. Walk us through how you've built a business starting in 2008 till now with so many people all going forward with the same mission statement and, and, and values, set of values. I think it's one of the key uh, ingredients. It's, it's how, how we're able to be left brain and right brain. And um, so if you take our exec, um, it's 10 of us and it's almost half-half, like half come from the fashion industry the, they are much more holistic thinkers yeah. rather than linear um, thinkers. Um, and then the other half come from, you know, Expedia, eBay, um, you know, the, the, like hardcore technology uh, businesses. And they're mo much more data-driven and much more um, um, logical steps to a conclusion, right? Rather than this is a conclusion and I don't know how I got to it, yeah, yeah. which... Uh, which is how intuition works, right? So, so getting those folks in the, in the same room, getting them to respect each other, essentially, and to, to understand that, um, you know, the, 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 the magic happens when, when you have the art and the science combined. Yeah. Um, but I think that, that started um, from, from the very early days, and then we codified it with our, um, with our you know, values, and, um, and we started making it an intrinsic part of you know, how we hire, how we appraise, uh, how we communicate internally. Uh, but, but yeah, it's very much that culture of mutual uh, respect for, for, for the art and the science in this, in this business. And what are the areas you expect to tap into in the future? <clears throat> so we, we keep investing um, in, in our technology a lot. Um, it's the only area of the PNL, we're we're not leveraging. Actually, we're, we're investing more as a percentage of adjusted revenue or revenue. Um, the tech investment is uh, is actually going up, um, and and that is uh, there's not one single thing uh, I, I can point out. It's a myriad of uh, projects. It goes from optimizing the platform, um, what I call sustainable innovation, like within our core business model new languages, new countries, new payment systems, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, new categories, we just launched um, um, watches and uh, fine jewelry um, this year. We, we launched uh, uh, kids um, last year, et cetera, et cetera. And then the moonshots, you know, Star of the Future, the project we have with Chanel, uh, Dream Assembly, our incubator and accelerator, and, and the platform, the API that we make available to other companies um, to create new ideas and new business models. So, so these three buckets um, are where we um, spend most of our money. And then obviously building, building the brand, um, uh, building this global uh, brand that we want to be the most loved uh, brand in, in fashion. Um, we'll, we'll continue to be the focus and um, we think it's, um, it, it's the best allocation of our uh, of our capital um, at, at this point in time. Uh, maybe a, a final last question. Any words of advice on 
your path and your uh, story of entrepreneurship and innovation? I think my, what I always say is that if you have an idea that you're so passionate about that you will never forgive yourself if you don't leave everything behind and try to do it, then go for it and, and, and start that company. But that is the acid test. You know, don't do it if, if, if just because the 10 is fantastic. There's one trillion yeah. 10, let's go for it. Or it's a business model that has never been tried. Or a couple of VCs want to fund you. Or, you know, like, because those are not the right reasons. And, and the res you will along the way, and, and this is my, my own experience. In 25 years, I've, I've had uh, some projects which I started for the wrong reasons. I started because, um, oh, other guys are doing it. Or, oh, um, this seems to be like a great market to be in. And, uh, and invariably, you fail. Because you know, there's a point in the journey where you know, the, the crunch comes. And it is that belief. Um, that one neighboring belief that, that gets you and your team, you know, through, through the struggle. Um, and, and for me, that is the only, the only piece of advice, because then you have all, all styles of entrepreneurs, from introverts to extroverts, from sales guys to geeks, uh, all kinds of personalities. And um, uh, so I don't think there is a formula for, for success, right? So, but, but, um, but I think there is a common denominator. Yeah, in that, in that um, strong passion for, for what you do. Great. Well, on behalf of all of our people and Goldman Sachs, thank you very much for, uh, for joining us. Thank you. This podcast was recorded on December 10th. 2018. This podcast should not be copied, distributed, published, or reproduced in whole or in part, or disclosed by any recipient to any other person. The information contained in this podcast does not constitute a recommendation from any Goldman Sachs entity to the recipient. Neither Goldman Sachs nor any of its affiliates makes any representation or warranty, express or implied, as to the accuracy or completeness of the statements or any information contained in this podcast, and any liability, therefore, including in respect of direct, indirect, or consequential loss or damage, is expressly disclaimed. The views expressed in this podcast are not necessarily those of Goldman Sachs, and Goldman Sachs is not providing any financial, economic, legal, accounting, or tax advice or recommendations in this podcast. In addition, the receipt of this podcast by any recipient is not to be taken as constituting the giving of investment advice by Goldman Sachs to that recipient nor to constitute such person a client of any Goldman Sachs entity.